Hello, and welcome to Recapping with Delora and Ashley. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Recapping Podcast. Also, rate, review, and subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the things. We want to hear your thoughts on the movies and shows we review. Leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or our YouTube channel, and we will read them during the show. Or reach out to us on social media. We love talking all things entertainment and pop culture with you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. How are you doing? Hello, darling. I'm good. We're back for another in conversation. And as always, I am a giddy fool because I am super excited to be talking to you, Stephanie McBee. Welcome, <laughs> Stephanie, to recapping with Delora and Ashley. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, ladies. It's so good to be here and to see your faces. It's great yes, to have so- you. We are so happy to have you. And so let's go ahead and jump into our questions. Okay. Stephanie, please walk us and our listeners through highlights of your career journey to becoming a successful Emmy-nominated TV producer. Oh, my. The way you just read that, too. I'm like, oh, who are you about to interview? And then I had to remind myself, oh, she, she just said your name. Like, it's you. It's you. You are the subject. Get your flowers, oh, sis. Goodness. Get your flowers. <laughs> I'm not used to that. Like it's so, it's still weird to me. It's it's hearing the title is weird, um, you know, and and getting my flowers as you just said feels weird because I'm like I'm still young in this game and still just getting started. But then also at the same time, you know, it's it's such a good feeling to feel like you're making progress in your career. I've been doing this a very long time. So we were talking about BG days earlier um, when yes. I went to school at BG, I dabbled in journalism. I didn't even fully commit to journalism because I was like, this is intimidating. So I don't know if I can do this. So I dabbled in it. It was my minor, but I was a communications major. But really, mm-hmm. in my mind, I knew I wanted to work in TV. I knew I wanted to work in entertainment. I didn't know what capacity. Um, I really didn't understand what all it took to have a career in television. And so when I moved to New York, it was just grinding constantly. Just how can I get on somebody's set somewhere? <laughs> can I, mm. uh, uh, independent film, a student film, whatever I can do. I just want to be on set and I just want to learn. And that's how I started as just a PA, just taking any and every gig that I could, unpaid, you know, just whatever yes. it was just to get the experience. And then I ended up landing on a, uh, independent production company that primarily focused on documentaries and really with that just kind of got my foot in the door of okay understanding how documentaries work but there was this one show that I ended up working on because I was working at a comedy club so I'll take a little turn there (laughs) I was a server and a host at a comedy club but I constantly was talking to my bosses about how I wanted to work in tv and the club was like well hey we're about to shoot a little comedy show um, you should work on it, maybe be a PA on it. So I did everything a PA possibly could <laughs> on that job. And PA, from PA, what does that stand for again? The production assistant. I was the production assistant that went to pick up the batteries for the cameras, went to pick up the cameras, brought the cameras to set. I mean, everything from the very grunts of grunt work to eventually running a teleprompter for the the comics who were the host of the show to working with the talent of the show I was doing it all and the director of the show at the time was like okay you are so good at this like you should be working in television more like you, you see the need and you just jump to it and you go ahead to the next thing like you're just getting it done and and you're really responsive to this so would you want to do more full-time work in television I'm like absolutely this guy who was the director of this show was called Gotham Comedy Live was an engineer over at ABC with The View and literally was just like, send me your resume. I'm going to pass your resume on to the team over at The View. I don't know if there's anything open, but it doesn't hurt just to kind of see what I can do to get you in the door. And probably like a year later, they called me and they're like, hey, someone's going on maternity leave. Would you like to come and fill in? Wow. Completely temporary position. Wasn't supposed to be there long. Got in the door, filled in for um, the girl who I'm still friends with today, who was on maternity leave. 
And all the producers were so incredible at the time that they were like, we know this was temporary, but we don't want Stephanie to leave. Can she stay here? Can like, is there some way that we can awesome. keep her on staff? Wow. Yeah. And it, the executive producers at the time basically said, if you can come up with a position, if you can create a position for yourself and why we need that position here, we'll see if there's something we can do. And I literally did that. I created a whole deck of here's what I would do as an associate producer. Listen, I started as a, P, a production assistant there filling in. <laughs> and what I pitched to them was as an associate producer, a, a level up. <laughs> so I pitched a higher position. I know that's right. And, right, right. And I gave them the list of like all the things that I would do, uh, how how I could contribute to the show, what areas might need more assistance and what was missing and how I could fill in the gaps there. And you could, you would, may assume, because I thought, I was like, this might be a little bold. Like they might think, who are you to come in here and tell us what's wrong with our show? It's the audacity <laughs> for me, but guess what? That's what we need more of. It is okay. <laughs> yeah, I well, I definitely had all the audacity in that moment and I took advantage of it and said, you know what, y'all asked. So here we go. Stephanie, I am fangirling right now because we are not talking about some show over there. We are talking about The View, which is daytime <laughs> television golden child. Like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> Oh my God, I love this so much. Oh my. <laughs> I I still I still have those moments. Just like you were saying before, like your flowers. I'm like, oh, did I really do that? That th- is this my life? But I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. And like, what were the chances of the odds? I'm thinking at the time, I literally am just a host and a server, a cocktail server at a comedy club who just was like, I'm going to grind in any job that I possibly get that gets me in the door. I'm going to connect with everybody. I'm going to treat everyone with the most, the utmost respect. I don't care what your role and position is. And I had no idea that this guy who just was like, he seemed like this regular old guy. And it was Bob. And Bob Bob was just like, (laughs) you know, directing this comedy show. But Bob was like, a well-known and respected figure at The View and ABC. Everyone, I had no idea, but everyone respected this man's opinion. And if he suggested someone or recommended someone for a position, they took it seriously. So when he asked for my resume, I'm like, sure. But thinking like, this is, that's nice of you. (laughs) That's so kind. No, he went in there with a mission. And once that door was open, I kicked down and I was like, I'm going to find a way to stay here. This is amazing. So yeah, ended up from a production assistant to an associate producer at The View and and really got to a point of working with the co-hosts and Hot Topics and essentially got assigned uh, to Megan McCain at the time. Um, that was the the panel that was on at the time that I was there was Megan McCain and uh, Sarah Haynes, Whoopi, of course, was there. Joy Behar, Sunny Austin. Joy and Sunny and Whoopi are like the trifecta for me. Um, <laughs> could you explain a little bit more about your role? Because we we spoke into multiple producers in our in conversations, and they're they're all different, you know. So, what type of role did you do when you were working close with the host? Yeah, so I would say. From every show, from every, whether it's daytime talk, whether it's late night, whether it is news, producing and being a producer, that title can mean a multitude of things. So for me, I would say at the time that I was at The View, it started out more research based. Like I was really just focused on research, creating a research packet, whatever topic they were talking about, or whatever hot topics were happening around that time. There were um, guests coming on the show so whatever celebrity guests was coming if they were promoting something if they had a story to tell it's researching that guest to make sure that the co-hosts feel prepared with all of the information possible and really have the best conversation at the table and so for me I had to be armed with all the information that I possibly could but also being assigned to you know Megan or for anybody being assigned to a particular co-host you also need to be well read in on what that co-host's perspective and view is. I had so much respect for, there's a producer by the name of Kristen, who was Sonny's producer, and I believe still is Sonny's producer. And Kristen, I didn't know Kristen's background, but you would think Kristen went to, to law school with Sonny because she had to be that read in on every case 
on every legal jargon. So that way, yes, wow. Sunny's doing her work and her due diligence, but her producer also needs to know just as much. And if there's an argument at the table and not like fight, but you know, like if there's a different opinion at the table, then what's, what are you going to come back with? So you have to be just as aware and know your co-host's mind and where they want to go and what's their point of view and, and what's their intention behind, you know, what they're speaking about. So for everybody who is paired or who is supporting a particular co-host, you got to know them, you got to know their personality, you got to know their mindset, but then you also got to be armed with the information <laughs> to back up whatever it is that you know or anticipate them saying as well. That's so interesting. I love Sunny Hostin, so I really appreciate that intel. But for yeah. you, as a Black woman, I'm not going to assume your politics, but I feel like I have some level of an inkling. So how <laughs> was it for you as a producer to have to step into the mind potentially of someone and find argument and validity for someone that you may not agree with in terms of politics and thought process? That's real. That's a real question. And, I, <laughs> and I'm going to be honest with you. That's a real question I got often when people would ask me, you know, what do I do with The View and do I work with XYZ host? And then it's like, do you work with Megan? And then is the follow up how or whatever. You know? <laughs> You're you know, like, how is the immediate how, how? question? I mean, after. <laughs> I, it's, I know, I know that it's your job and obviously you're a professional. And to your point, you're, you were very good at your job, obviously that these doors continue to open for you. So I'm even for people who are listening, I just am curious because sometimes when you step into roles, you will find difficulty. You may have things that you don't necessarily mm. agree with. And how do you maintain that level of professionalism? And I still have to do my job to the best of my ability, even if there are disagreements. Yeah. yeah. You know what I love most about one that show, but also the opportunity that role gave me is that I felt like we were in a time, and I think still to some degree, time where we, we've become so polarizing that we can't have conversations with people who disagree with us or with people who have differing opinions from us. And so there's automatically the shutdown of, I'm not even going to hear what you have to say because you, you disagree. And so we can't see eye to eye or we can't even have mm. a relationship. I stopped seeing the humanity in you because... I because you don't see my opinion or my stance or my title or my, you know, my political, you know, point of view. It's almost like people want to check off a box of where do you stand first and then I'll listen and then I'll lean in or then I'll get to know you or then I'll, I'll you know, try to solicit the heart of you. And I think for me, I've always been a person who just wanted to understand people, who just wanted to know people who just mm -hmm. I mean, talk about you know, having a communication background but for a degree, but I also went to school and got my master's degree in counseling because there's a part of me that's like, I want to deeply understand people. I want to deeply understand our mentality, the way we think, why we think, but also where our hearts are. And then that will inform the decisions that we make, not necessarily which side of the political pole are we leaning or, you know, like where, mm -hmm. what, what hood you grew up in or who your family is and those types of status, you know, symbols. And so for me, being at The View and I mean, even the way that I got linked up with Megan to me is still kind of like super not traditional in the sense of like, it wasn't that I wrote an essay that was very conservative and they were like, oh, you should be, you should work with Megan. It was straight a heart moment. And this is why, for me, it, it makes sense. It wasn't based on something I said politically. It really was not based on politics. We literally were having lunch in what we called the bullpen, uh, which was just kind of like the space in which everybody was working in. It's kind of like the space when we're at the studio. You just kind of have a, you grab a piece of desk or a piece of table where your laptop is and you work from there. It was like a lunch break, I think, and Megan had come into the space. I, I don't even know. Like, I think everyone's just like grabbing food and grabbing a place to sit down. And I just probably not thinking, being real, like, innocent, real green. I go and I sit next to her. <laughs> that, just not thinking. Now, most folks are like, you don't go sit next to the co-host. Like, you just a uh, associate not producer. Talent. Who are you? You don't go in. Not talent. Right, right. Mm -hmm. But here I go sitting down. Hey, how you doing? Starting conversation. Just genuinely. It was something like a look on her face that I just... I wanted to ask if she was okay. I was like, how are you? 
And it kind of opened up the floodgates of literal just conversation of just talking about nothing, but it was a real authentic conversation. And in that moment, she got to sense me and who I was as a person. I wasn't trying to kiss her butt. I wasn't sucking up to her. I wasn't looking at her as talent. I just saw a person. But you can sometimes feel the energy of people around you who are walking on eggshells or they're filtering what they're going to say because of who you are. And that just wasn't in the space that we were in. And so Mm -hmm. I think that really opened up the door for her to say, I want to know more about you. And I want, there's something genuine about you that I want you on my team. And Mm. that's really how it ended up happening. Love that. Oh, okay. So the co-hosts kind of choose who they want to be on their team with them. I don't honestly know if that's how it happens all the time, but in this particular situation, she's like, I am blessed and highly favored. Okay, I was chosen. (laughs) No, I'm not here creating roles. (laughs) 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 I the the favor of the Lord was upon me that day. And in that season of my life, and I was just like, okay, all right. But yeah, but there was a request and and the executive producers were kind of like, so here's what's going to happen. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, all right. So I'm going to just jump in here. So yeah, I did not come with a background of working for a conservative news organization. I did not mm-hmm. come with a background of that. And I think also she respected that. She knew kind of where I stood. But I had an open mind of saying, okay, how do I understand where you're coming from? And even I can't understand, let me just do, like you said before, Ashley, let me just do my job and do my research and see, is there anything out there? Is there any information that is supporting your belief? And in, and we've had many conversations where I've shared my my opinions on you know certain certain matters and there was open dialogue. And so I was appreciative for that. I also love that you mentioned that you went back and got your master's in counseling. I think that is fascinating and must be so helpful as a producer in all capacities to be able to have that level of like empathy and understanding. Yeah, um, because every producer we've talked about, I mean, obviously, you're very front facing, you're very people oriented, you have to jump in to your point and problem solve and problem solve and know people's needs sometimes before they know them and all those things. So I'm sure it's super helpful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think by the time so after I was at the view, I went to the Tamara Hall show and you know, really kind of got my feet dug in producing there from, you know, and that show a little different from the view where the view kind of has hot topics, you know, where they discuss what's going on in the news and current events, and then you may have a celebrity come on, you know, and then maybe you'll have like a you know, a human interest story or something light at the end or something like that, or maybe even recap some news. But with Tamarin's show, that was full hour-long content that the way we were formatted at that time was one producer was assigned pretty much the hour, right? So at The View, is like you may be assigned a segment or a couple of segments, but um, at Tamarin, I was assigned like the hour. And so wow. you are really trying to flow from top to bottom. What is my show going to entail? What's going to be... What, what what are we starting with, but also where are we going? And so it was a lot more human interest heavy, which I love human interest stories, real stories, yes. everyday people stories. Like that for me was like, that's where I'm like, I'm in my bag now. And even at the view, <laughs> like they, <laughs> they came to know that like, if you, if I'm pitching stories, it's going to be human interest all day. It's going to be something that is pulling on your heartstrings. And so really having that, that counseling background, in particular, the mental health counseling background. <laughs> and and then I had a, it's a dual degree for mental health and then also family and marriage uh, therapy. But being able to learn those skill sets to listen, to hear people, to build a rapport with someone, to really allow them to feel heard and understood. And, and really also, because I would find myself <laughs> on a call, maybe like booking a story and I'm in the middle of a counseling session. Didn't even realize I'm going to slip right back into my counseling bag <laughs> because this person needed to get something off their chest. So they needed to share something, you know, that they hadn't let go of. Um, but also in order for them to feel comfortable to open up to the world, you know, whatever that story is, exactly, they're opening up to millions. And so they have to at least feel comfortable enough with one and, and trust me to know that I'm not out here to exploit you. I'm not out here to try to just, you know, make something out of a headline out of you and your story. Like that's 
never been my intention as a producer. And I think really being rooted one in, again, it goes back to just humanity, just going back to a place of having a sense of care and concern for a person and who they are. And so then for me, that counseling always came in because I would tell my guests, I'm walking with you through this entire process. I am not going to get you on here just to thrust you out there. <laughs> and then you like stuck like, okay, what do I do now? What do I say now? Like, no, if I ever felt like there was kind of this moment of, I could not fully support and stand on my word to my guests, then I don't know if this is the right story for me to share. So that counseling definitely came in many, many times over. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. So you currently work for Herself Media, a Black-owned and women-led company, which sounds amazing. Tell us a bit about it and what you all are creating, including a podcast I noted called Full Reset. Yeah, yeah. So we are, we have a lot of things in the works. So we are a baby organization. We're, we're just a baby. Uh, we, we only been, I think, launched for the last year and a half, two years now. So we are still in like the growing stages, but this was uh, really the brainchild of our CEO, Austin Channing Brown, who is an incredible New York Times bestselling author and really just has this idea of she, her, the background of the work that she does is rooted in anti-racism. And so she basically was like, you know, there's a lot of work that I'm doing that is heavy, <laughs> that is difficult to talk about that when you get in these spaces and have these conversations, it, it shifts, the tone shifts. And we should be able to have these conversations, but also be able to talk about race and be able to talk about what it is to be a woman and what it is to be a Black woman from all spaces of our complexity and who we are. But it can also be rooted in joy. Like we don't have to continue to have our stories Amen. told from a face of trauma. <laughs> like Girl. why is it that something had to happen to us? you know, for our stories as Black women to be validated or to be warranted, you know, oh, this is going to be a, this is going to be a story that's going to, you know, the Academy Award winner right here. She, she had to go through a struggle. Like, no. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes to Black joy. <laughs> right. Like we are full, we are full beings that have both joy. Yes, we got trauma, but we got some joy too. And so we wanted to create a space that really focused on that. And allowed us to live from that. The smart, brilliant, the quirky, the weird, the, you know, the the all parts of us that may not oftentimes get the the limelight and the shine that it deserves. You know, like I, I'm so grateful for an Issa being able to do awkward black girl. You know, yeah, I'm yes. so grateful for that. Right. Like all of a sudden we're looking at awkward black girls like, oh, that's me. Like when we can actually say that's me. <laughs> Because I have those moments, too, where I'm looking around like, did somebody see me? Or I'm rapping in the mirror. You know, like those moments that <laughs> make us uniquely who we are. And, and it doesn't look like what we've just been portrayed time and time again. Like, we just want to keep creating stories from that space. And I think that's exciting to be able to do that. So with Full Reset, it was just an idea of, and it really was just a podcast, a limited series that we just wanted to get on and talk about some of the things that if we had a redo. You know, if you if you can go back in time and, and get a redo on some experience or some moment in life or a lesson learned that now you realize <laughs> you may have learned it wrong or you want to do some unlearning, you know, what would it be? And I think there are a lot of things that for a lot of us, it was like, I would unlearn this. Growing up as a, a young girl in a, in a black church, there's some things I questioned growing up. Girl, like, wait a minute, but you want We have question. these conversations all the time, Ashley and I. <laughs> Ah! All the time. I'm glad I'm not alone. I'm so glad I'm not alone. Not now. Is there anything else you guys are working on or anything else that you want to um, inform the audience about in terms of taking advantage of you guys' services? I would say, so it's not much that I can talk about right now. We do have some things in the works, which is are really exciting. We're pretty much more of a development company, you know, so we're, we're developing projects right now. We have definitely been in conversation with other um, companies to work on some podcasts, to work on some scripted series. Um, and so it's exciting to be in that space right now. 
especially because we are so young. So we're just giving ourselves kind of the runway to keep creating and to keep building and developing and, and get it to a place where it's like, okay, now it's out there for the world to see. But it's definitely because we're a small team, small team of four women, and all of us still have our hands in other spaces in the industry. So like I said, Austin is, she is a writer, but she also has working on another book that she's about to be releasing. Jenny is working with a nonprofit organization that she does full-time. Brooke is also a writer and a poet. Um, this is working on other production companies. So we all come with our own individual expertise and world. So like me coming from daytime talk and also a bit of news. It's bringing those skill sets together and saying, okay, but how do we play? And this is, I mean, been a, a great opportunity for us to play. And like I said, just kind of bring joy and create content that is, is rooted in that. That is beautiful. And if you ever need pop culture experts on any other projects, you know. Yes. <laughs> Ashley yes. and I are right I'm there. Fine. We're right there. We're right there. We gonna collaborate. I feel like a collaboration is necessary. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you ain't said none exactly. of the words. Say less. Okay. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Your resume, as we mentioned, includes The View, Tamron Hall's show, as well as Karamo. Do you prefer producing for new shows or established ones? <laughs> I feel like I've now officially... I've worked for just as many new as I have established. This ain't even all that you've done. We just we just highlighted a few. <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't need a list of all. You don't need a list of all. <laughs> yeah, a startup is a beast. I'm not going to lie. It's a beast. I, I would prefer not. <laughs> An established show, you come in and you just like, okay, what's my lane? What's my role? Cool. Got it. And just like operating that in that lane. A startup is exciting. I think I was, those are definitely earlier years where I was younger and <laughs> I had the stamina to keep <laughs> up with a startup and to give all that is required and to work around the clock, um, you know, constantly um, because it, it, it's just every first season of a startup show is going to be a mess because you're figuring it out and you're trying to get right. the vibe of the show and what the host really wants to bring to the show. And so you're going through those growing pains and you don't really get into a rhythm for probably like season three, maybe season four. I would say probably an established show, but there are benefits to a startup because I do love getting in with a new team. Everybody's new to it. Everybody's bringing fresh eyes to it. Everyone has an excitement and a passion to see it do well. You know, so there is this hunger to throw yourself in it and to make it the best thing possible and to be there from the start, right? To say that you saw this, this baby be created and be born and now you are helping to nourish it and, and, and bring it to, you know, to a place where you are proud of it. So there is that, I think, aspect of it. But at this stage of my life, at this age, I'm, yeah, I'm about that established life. I'm, I'm about that established <laughs> As we mentioned, Ashley and I adore daytime television, but have you considered late night TV, like the Tonight Show? And what would be the difference between daytime and nighttime? I'm curious from your perspective. Yeah, I think, I, so I have considered uh, late night. I think also because I, having that comedy background, like working in the comedy club and then working on the comedy show, like that is mm -hmm. definitely more late night. And I've worked in the comedy club for almost, what, almost nearly 10 years. So just like that space, I, I felt like I grew up in that world. And so it feels more natural to me. I felt like daytime was a struggle for me at first, just because it, it was a different world. You know, the content mm -hmm. you're creating is, day, as they say, daytime friendly, <laughs> you know? So exactly. It's like, it's all feel good. It is, you know, you're waking up in the morning, you're going to get your motivation on, you're going to get your tips in your, you know, your daily workout routine. You're going to get, I was going to say definitely always the workout. <laughs> always For sure. the workout. <laughs> yes. Your health and diet, you know, what's the best, the new latest trends in the diets and that, 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 and, you know, the, 
what to do from home, you know, the at home workouts and the all these different things that I just was like, I'm not connected to this. This is not speaking to me. <laughs> you know, it's just not speaking to me. But but I understood because the the traditional daytime market says the it's the uh, the 18 to 49 year old woman, the women who are they they the traditional quote unquote is the stay at home moms who are looking for this content, who are watching this content. And so there's that. But I yeah, I considered late night just because I felt like I wanted more meat, I guess. And there's meat in daytime. Don't get me wrong. There is meat in daytime. But I wanted to give me the unscripted, the uncut. Let me say what I want to say. Let everybody say what they want to say. But um, funny enough, I did transition recently that I've started going into more late night, even news opportunities that I've taken on. So, so yes, it definitely has already shifted for me more into that. Nice. Well, that's actually a great segue because I was going to ask you, are there any other creative outlets and endeavors you'd like to explore and additional goals that you currently like to achieve? Absolutely. So yeah, I haven't posted anything about this yet, but I did just take a new opportunity um, with ABC News with uh, 2020. So I will be working with that nice. show. Staple. Yeah, as the editorial producer. Staple. Listen. Exactly. Listen. Love it. Congratulations. <laughs> going, back, love it. going back to the ABC fam for you. Going back to the ABC fam. Yes. Yes. And I love it. You know, I love the the team there. I love the more nitty gritty, you know, getting in there with some stories and, and, and talking about, again, real stories, real people's lives and what's going on. And, and a true crime is a bit different, but I've always kind of been... <laughs> I've been tapped into what's going on with stories and true crime. And I think also for me, bringing to the forefront some of the crime stories that don't often get the attention that they should, you know. There you go. And I think that's very important for me to, it's like a Shanquilla Robinson, you know, get coverage, find out what happened to to make sure that, um, you know, that, like I said, these stories are still getting the light shine, um, you know, shine on them. And then also to answer your question as well, I definitely have been, creating content more so I have a few show ideas that I've been developing and that is a little more late night leaning a little more prime time leaning and so I'm excited to um, get to a space where I can pitch them as of right now I'm kind of like sitting back and also why I'm grateful for the opportunity with uh, ABC opening back up because we really can't pitch anything right now with the strike going on so you know I definitely want to you know, I, I have that kind of sitting on the shelf and sitting in my pocket, but as the business kind of gets back rolling and popping and then, you know, we'll be able to, to pitch some more and develop some more and, and get some more shows out there. Well, that's very exciting. Super excited to hear that you're also developing your own stories and ideas. We cannot wait to see what you come out with and potentially bring you back on to talk about some of these projects. Yes, yes. I'd be so excited. Oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness. I wish I could tell y'all now. I, I wish I could tell you. So I know it's going to be good. It's okay. It's, be it's okay. We can wait for it because that's a whole nother part of what we do here on the pod is we recap TV shows <laughs> and films. So you're right up our alley. But what are your thoughts on the current strike and what other impacts has it had so far in your career? Yeah. So I would definitely say, um, I think, well, obviously when you turn on TV right now, like it, it's, everything's interesting when you're flipping through like what is on right now you're going to start right. to see I think we're we're in a space where you're going to start to see some repeat a lot well we already see repeats but yes repeats we're already of, seeing it <laughs> right a lot more repeats of news of reality shows and I think obviously with sports it's going to be a lot of coverage of that as well but I'm definitely um I'm interested to see what's going to happen with daytime considering a lot of these hosts are SAG after, you know, and and then a lot of these, um, yeah, and then a lot of the guests who come on these shows are usually celebs. So I'm interested and curious to see what's going to happen with that and in that space. And I think a lot of shows are going to have to pivot to do more human interest stories, um, just to kind of fill out the hour. So it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens with that. I know some shows have not even announced when they're premiering for the fall. That's just, true. You know. So, yeah, I think it is hinging on what are their hosts going to do and also what are they producing? You know, so a lot of jobs are affected 
and I mean, even, you know, my brother is, um, my brother is a writer. And so he's impacted, you know, he's a part of the the writer strike. And so I'm yes. watching him in real time that he, the jobs and opportunities just kind of, they're not there. So I know that everyone's being impacted. I definitely personally understand why, you know, when, when you see headlines, like, what is it? The Netflix um, position that was, that was listed for the AI project manager. Yeah. If get paid up to nine hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah. Crazy. Like crazy. But you have writers and actors who are, I mean, truly fearful for what's gonna happen with their with their roles. You know, what mm-hmm. what and in terms of, you know, how syndication works and does it work and with streaming now and all these nuanced um contracts. You know, it's just making sure that there is security for for everyone in their job. And so I think definitely it's everyone's being impacted. We see it happening right now. But I think that security measures need to be put in place for the future of a lot of people in this in this in this uh, this industry. Absolutely. Fighting for the future for all the youngins who are aspiring to get into the game. (laughs) What will we do without our content, Delora? I just can't imagine a world. Speaking of, Stephanie, what are you currently enjoying watching or listening to yourself? Okay. I was binging. Well, my, it's not a binge because well, it, I watch it when I work out. I, I make myself, it's what makes me work out right now. The bear. So I'm a little yes. behind because, Ooh, yes, yes. I haven't finished it because I haven't gone back to the gym. And that's upsetting me because I want to finish the bear, but I also don't want to go back to the gym. So that's my little dilemma. <laughs> Healthy habits. I appreciate it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I want Sydney I to win the, the Emmy. I want Sydney to win that Listen. Emmy. She's so good. Yes. She's so good. She's so good. So good. Killing that role. Absolutely. Like I ain't gonna lie. When I first started season one, I was like, oh, okay, let me see how she worked this role. Like, let me, let me, this is an interesting character. But Very. I'm obsessed with her. Absolutely. I'm obsessed with her. She's so good at her job. Um, It's not about love or some type of romantic entanglement. She's passionate and she's so good at her work. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that character. And 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 her trauma, her triggers. And (laughs) I'm like, there's a lot to unpack. Yeah, there's (laughs) a lot to unpack, which is why season two was really interesting. Because even though it was a little bit of a slower pace, you got character development in season two as well. So oh, yeah. it was really good. Oh, yeah. What else is on your radar? I did watch uh, They Clone Tyrone. Yes. Uh, they sure did. That. They absolutely <laughs> did. Didn't they now? Woo-wee. Yes. <laughs> now, yeah, is, it a, is it a black um, classic for you, Stephanie, as it is for some of the folks on these internets? Listen, um, you and my brother had a conversation about that. I got to go back and watch it again. Okay. I think it could be. I think okay. it could be. I'm not gonna lie. I feel it was like really I need to good. go back and watch. It, it really I feel was. like it yes. could be one of those like I revisit every Halloween type of deal. You know what I mean? It'd be like perfect I for October. <laughs> you know, like that's how things Halloween, become classics because you, know. you watch it at a certain time of each year. At least for for me, right? So Hocus Pocus every yeah, October. I'm done. <laughs> wait, wait. Five heartbeats every Thanksgiving. I like I'm not the only one. So I'm done. <laughs> Delora got them on the calendar. She got them on the calendar. It's about that time. I smell it in the air. The season has changed. It is. You know why? Pumpkin bread is watched. out. It must be time. <laughs> right. Right. Yo, that's hilarious. I did not think about that in terms of like the holidays or whatnot. I just know, I think, um, I feel like it could be a classic because I feel like it's going to age well. Like, I feel like <laughs> it's going to be one of those that yes. we're going to be five, 10 years down the road and we still going to be questioning these things. Like, we still going to be looking at folks side eye like, mm, I think something really going on. The, the conspiracies will still be there and they probably be, will be less conspiracy-ish and more... <laughs> proven some stuff the question no is way. can we truly escape because it's in everything right no 
No, we're in the matrix, Laura. <laughs> we we got to get out of here. We can't. Yo, Ashley, we can't escape. I just said that. That's always my reference. That's always my reference that we're in the matrix. <laughs> that's it. Unplug me now. Nah, I don't want to know what else is going on <laughs> if that's the case. <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun. Thank you so much for those two. Again, the bear is incredible. If you have not seen it, guys, because we haven't really talked about that on the pod yet, but it's so good on Hulu. Uh, Let's talk about your Mm -hmm. self-care. This is a fairly new question we started asking our in-conversation guests. How do you maintain your mental and physical health in the midst of life and work? Mm. (laughs) So I haven't been too good at that. As a former mental health professional, I have not been too good with my own mental health. But I will say, because I was a straight up workaholic, like drowning myself in my work nonstop. But I will say the pandemic shook things up a bit for me. It was like, I'm going to need you to like get some perspective and I'm going to need this work not to consume you. Um, There's got to be balance. So Ladies, I had to go back and call my therapist and say, I need you to schedule an appointment and pencil me in. <laughs> um, yes. because I, it, yeah, I was like, it's necessary. Um, anxiety was out of control. And so I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We can't be doing this. We can't be driving ourselves crazy. We can't be anxious, you know, out of our bodies shaking. So mm. I definitely am real about that therapy scheduling time with family and friends is another one like me and my brother my brother is one of my best friends and so we will schedule time to link up we have our brunch dates where we have to like decompress yeah especially you know both of us working in the industry it's nice to have someone who gets it who (laughs) understands the hardships and the grind sometimes and how you often have to pivot in this industry but you feel like you can just open and share with and they can hold you accountable to who you are, you know, and, and say like, okay, let me remind you of what you are capable of, of what you can do when I have my moments of imposter syndrome, because they are <laughs> often infrequent sometimes. He'll be like, literally, he'll he'll pull out the Emmy nomination and say, look at this. It has your name. on. It's real. If you need a tangible something to touch, to look at, to feel then do that, you know, ground yourself in the reality, remind yourself of the things that you have done. And so sometimes that's good, although I don't need to be married to an achievement, an award or anything like that, but it's reminding myself of, wait a minute, I can do this, whatever this difficult, challenging moment is, because I've already done it before, you know, and so having those reminders. These mother effers ain't stopping me, okay? Because hey. <laughs> you are that girl, okay? <laughs> Listen, you need a reminder every now and then, though. Because you forget. So it's, it's, I, for me, it's been easy sometimes to forget. I also love you are our second in conversation guest recently because we had Nicole Welch on as well. She had family that is also in the industry and similar positioning and to have that within black families. I love because I feel like a lot of times we don't think that there is not necessarily the room, but the opportunity for it to be, oh, I work here. My brother does this. My sister does this. My cousin does this. You know, we look at the dynasties, right? Like the Wayans family or the Jackson family. We think like, oh, these are anomalies. Like, no, your neighbor and they brother and sister may all be working within this industry as well. So I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's crazy is I didn't realize how common it is for our white counterparts. That is yeah, very, exactly. you know, I just didn't, exactly. didn't pay attention until I got in. And then people started asking, like, how did you get here? Who did you know? You know, it's like, you know, people are connected, mm, but it's like, right. That literally was always like one of the first questions working with some of these big corporations. Like, oh, who did you know? Who got you in? Was mm-hmm. it your auntie? Your, your, your so-and-so? And I'm like, no, nah, it was Bob. Like, right. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was the dude who just Listen. happened to like... Exactly. <laughs> that what? nepotism ain't you the norm running around over here, but appreciate Not that again. 
that there is the opportunity <laughs> for the the leaning of shoulder on 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 someone yep. that close to you shoulder who can understand and is going through similar experiences and all that. So definitely appreciate the tips yeah. on self care because it's it's so important for us to be mindful and take care of ourselves even in the midst of living out our dreams. And black women dealing with anxiety. Like I feel like it had become such a norm for like our parents generation that it's like we have we are able to identify it. <laughs> we are able to do something about it and and realize like no, I am not going to be ran ragged my whole life, you know, cuz Ashley and I talk about our experiences with dealing with anxiety in our professional lives as well and there is help there are also pills <laughs> no, yeah. talk to your doctor talk to your doctor yeah. <laughs> that's that's still a struggle for me but yay therapy yay therapy yay. <laughs> i would say that too i'm with you ashley i i'm yay therapy the i'll be looking at them pills though, like doc do i do we might have to talk but yep, i'm not there they, yet but we might have to talk listen they i sit in I the drawer had, <laughs> I am speaking, I am speaking from my personal experience. I had those pills sitting on my bookshelves for six months. And one day I was like, let me just take the pill. And then I was like, why didn't I just take this damn pill? <laughs> and hearing you Thank say you that like, has huh? felt inspirational. And at the same time, I'm like, but that's your journey and that's your experience, right? Like, <laughs> no, 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 that's why I'm like, it's all personal. It's all yeah. personal, but I'm just yeah. letting you know, there are options. You, there are natural ways, obviously diet, exercise, you know, meditation, prayer, but there are other ways mm-hmm. that are healthier than self-medication, like alcohol and recreational drugs. So just throwing that out there. Absolutely. I'm here for all of it. I might be, I might be taking some of your happy pills. Be like, Dolores, slide me a happy pill, girl. <laughs> Help these clouds lift, please. <laughs> and again, I will also give another caveat. My anxiety got worse after I had my first child and it was, it was on a whole nother level that I had never experienced and I was trying to figure out how to manage it. And so my black doctor gave me some recommendations and that's where, that's where I am. (laughs) Yeah. I just love that we're three black women and we have, we're totally comfortable having this conversation recorded. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. much. What advice do you have for those hoping to follow your path? You've given so many great gems along the course of this conversation, but just any final advice? Trust your gut. Trust your gut. I think especially for a producer, all we have is our gut. Um, And I've spent so much time fighting my own judgment for no reason, because I'm trusting somebody with a bigger title that they know more than me or you know, stories that I just truly believed in that I did not push for. They told me no. And I'm thinking like, well, okay, but I really feel in my gut that this is going to be a big story. And they pass on it. And then all of a sudden, another network was doing it. And it was a huge, it was the biggest thing ever. Um, But what I would do is in every time that I didn't trust myself, I then made my own voice smaller and smaller and I shrank more and more Mm. to a point where I realized that, oh my gosh, I'm becoming a shell of myself. And I'm just literally becoming a person who is just executing. I'm no longer even thinking and innovating, creating and pouring my heart into this. I'm just, I've allowed someone else to diminish my own value of my opinion, my beliefs, my why the the whole why in being in this industry and doing this work and so really leaning into trusting myself trusting my gut my intuition I think is something I would just encourage others who are again specifically trying to be a producer you know but even just in this journey all together trust yourself love that so much same love it I had asked this of Jerika Duncan when she came on last year and we talked a little bit about church and things like that. So if you still believe in that, that higher power, James Lipton on one of my favorite shows back in the day inside the actor studio would always ask a series of questions to the actors at the end. And one of them was when you get to the pearly gates, 
What do you want to hear God say to you? So I wanted to ask you, when you get to those pearly gates in a long, long time in the future, what do you hope? <laughs> What do you hope that God says to you? Okay, so you pulling on my, <laughs> you pulling on my raised in the Baptist church, the daughter of two pastors. <laughs> okay, PK, PK as well. Uh, you, so you understand being the PK, you about to pull on my good old Baptist <laughs> grandparents was a deacon and whatnot, uh, own up out of me. I'm about to get real country and and and, and churchy on you. <laughs> All I want to hear is good and faithful servant. Well done. Yes. Now the modern day Stephanie <laughs> that has questions, questions of the Lord and and whatnot, and I don't know what those pearly gates gonna look like or whatnot. But I do want at the end of it all that my life had meaning and purpose. And that I put good into the world, that every person I came in contact with felt loved, felt seen, felt heard, even if it was for a minute, even for for a second. That's all I that's all I want is that you did good, kid. Like if if the Lord was like, because me and Jesus, like, my God cusses with me. So but if he was like, bitch, you did that, I'd be like, didn't I know? You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's by your grace. By your grace, though, Lord, I can't want to do it without you, though. Like you, you. There was a moment, though. I know, but you had me. You held me down. He he probably would look at me too. Be like, I mean, you, you. There was a season, though, that I thought I was gonna have to cut you because you got a little loose. But but your heart was good, girl. Your heart was good. <laughs> your heart was always yeah, in yeah. the right place i mean he gonna he all would have to say that to all of us we all he would have to say that to every exactly. single one of us <laughs> no but i love that answer I so did. much thank you so much for for entertaining the bonus question from the mind of james lipton may he rest in peace yes yes stephanie we did it <laughs> thank you so much for joining Ashley and I on this wonderful conversation your career we are just so excited for all the things you've done and we're so looking forward to the things to come thank you thank you thank you for joining us today thank you ladies for having me it's been fun yes yeah. thank you so much Stephanie we appreciate it and guys we hope that you've enjoyed this in conversation with Stephanie McBee so many great gems dropped and we look forward to having you back in the future Stephanie to talk about some of these projects hey yes yes can't wait to come back alright guys All right. we'll see you next time bye